Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to the Feelin' Film Podcast, where we get together weekly for a fun, emotional, focused, and sometimes insightful, in-depth movie conversation. I am one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, the Jody Cantor to my Megan Tui, Patrick. Hello, everyone. We can unpack why I think that this is our related mm-hmm. reporters here in a okay. little bit later, by the yeah. way, okay. but uh, yeah. that's how I see it, <laughs> and Sounds since good. I'm in charge Sounds of the good. intro... I get to claim <laughs> the person that I want to be. <laughs> okay, okay. I was wondering, like, what's the what's the significance there? I'm looking. It's like, do you he think who I'm writes Jewish? the is news makes up? the news? That's the oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought you were throwing like some kind of Jewish reference at me. I'm like, I'm no, 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 not no, at no. all. <laughs> the yarmulke might look pretty good on this almost bald head, but uh, it actually no, probably I'm, would. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I just I could rock it. Me and me and Ben Shapiro could just go down the street and be like. He wears it better than me or something like that. Yeah, He's the only Jewish guy I know in the media, but I'm sure there are many others, including I'm sure her. There are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, here is our spoiler warning. We are going to discuss the recent film, She Said, and talk about it in depth. So if you haven't seen the film or read the book, then I would say be aware of this. But if you're familiar with the story of this investigation and what it led to with regards to Harvey Weinstein's ultimate investigation on him and his arrest and subsequent conviction, then maybe it really doesn't matter. This is probably the kind of movie or the kind of episode I should say that about a movie that you don't really need to worry about spoilers in that kind of context. There's no, wow, oh my gosh, this happened. It's a big twist moments. Like this is reality we are going over. And so anyway, there's your spoiler ish warning for this episode all right i want to start with background on this one because i don't know where you stood before seeing this for me i had not had any detailed exposure is is how i would put it to the harvey weinstein accusations on before they broke and before his court case and arrest and so I was not familiar with the details of this story at all. I didn't know that these two New York Times reporters had been very critical pieces to getting the story out there and kind of breaking wide open these silent allegations that people had been making for years and decades and that had been going just completely ignored or obviously paid off many other uh, ways that they were allowed to go on without any action being taken for real on Harvey Weinstein. So this was like my first kind of look into those details. Was it for you or did you know this stuff before you watched the movie? No, I didn't. In fact, I think when we were looking at putting this on the schedule, I didn't forget about Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he has been in the news in and out of the news because of this, but it brought back, I think what I believe was probably the first, as someone who's not as active on social media as you, the first kind of entrance into the hashtag emphasis, this idea of the me too movement that happened. In fact, when I was telling my wife, she said, what movie are you going to see? And I said, it's called, she said, and, and she said, and she said, uh, she asked, what was it about or what's it about? And I said it has to do with the Me Too movement, which is not an accurate statement. It's about the directly the Harvey Weinstein accusations and eventual like coming to life. And so I, I kind of misspoke when I said that. But that is really what comes to mind when I think about this, is this idea of how it opened the doors for so many women in different industries, particularly Hollywood, but in other industries to be able to kind of stand up and make statements that they need to. In fact, I believe this was around the time that I became a manager. And so part of my protocol as a manager is I have biweekly one-on-one meetings with my staff. Right now I have two women that work for me. At one point I had three and 
hopefully after this, uh, the first of the year, we're going to look to hire uh, a really talented designer for the team. But I've kept that in the back of my head about as someone who's not even wanting to go down that road, you know, how do I keep myself above reproach? My door doesn't have a window on it, but I want to make sure that the privacy of the conversation stay that way. So I can't leave a door open because there are people outside who could be privy to those conversations. And we're talking about personal development and things like that. But those things, are, they go through my head and I want to make sure that I am above reproach. So when I've traveled with a coworker, I make sure that if at all possible, somebody else travels in a car with me, that we're not going someplace just the two of us. And, you know, I'm married, I have a child, she's married. So we both know that it's not, there's nothing that's actually there, but the idea of perception and the, again, the, the need to be very discreet and very professional stays with me partly because of the events that took place back in the the late 20 teens with all this. So it's very much uh, it very much affects my day to day and how I how I speak to my coworkers, how I how I treat them, the words that I say, the actions, all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely agree with all of that. And understanding that this was sort of the genesis of the Me Too movement. And that's kind of how the story is framed as they're breaking it. It's all about them trying to get these women to go on the record and essentially to say, me too, me too, right? It's it's this building of proof and the idea that together they will be able to accomplish something that cannot be shut down and cannot be ignored. Whereas singularly, it is much simpler for Weinstein to get his way and to bury a truth and not have it affect him in anything negative other than maybe in his pocketbook, which he seems to be just fine from what this uh, story reveals, paying off people with wherever he's getting that money from. So the interesting thing about this is that it is a drama about a real story, a very recent real story, and it is a journalism movie. I personally love journalism movies because I wanted to be a journalist when I was growing up. That's what I wanted to go to college for and before I joined the Navy. And so I've always had a soft spot for investigative reporting stories. Do you think that a story like she said benefits from having a dramatic movie adaptation or is it really necessary should it just be a documentary but is fictionalizing what we saw here beneficial in 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 either the entertainment area or in the informational area in your opinion if you're making a point about something it absolutely should be dramatized and fictionalized because the fact is you can watch a documentary that can affect you emotionally but more often than not when you go to a theater you're wanting to be invested in characters um, my buddy adam and i on our podcast and original series are currently recording the miniseries chernobyl which neither of us had seen and it is a dr dramatization of these events that took place of which much like the events of she said, I didn't know about. I knew it, of it growing up, but the Challenger explosion was kind of the big eyesore for me in terms of what I remember back in the 80s. I remember hearing about Chernobyl. In fact, the thing about Chernobyl that I remember the most is the aftermath and kind of going and looking at imagery of the abandoned city. I love the concept of abandoned places like amusement parks and things like that. And so watching the miniseries, I'm getting the same feeling. So it's very serendipitous that we're covering, she said, around the same times that we're doing, around the same time that we're doing this, because what I'm feeling is the impact of the events as they take place in both of these. And so she said does benefit from being able to hear stories from the perspective, not necessarily the, the specific voices of the women that shared this. I, I really appreciated the fact that Ashley Judd played herself and was able to give us that sense of realism because I didn't think that she was acting. But the fact is, as an actor, 
you have to act. You have to be directed in some way, shape, or form. Because this isn't like you're sitting down with her with a camera and just saying, all right, we're going to ask you some questions. Just answer them. Part of making a movie means that you have to get into the moment. You have to be able to dramatize for the sake of how you felt in that so that your audience can feel the same thing. I don't think it takes away from any fictionalization because the facts are still there. The events took place. These things happened. Harvey Weinstein is being convicted for these things that were said and has been proven in a court of law that this has happened. So how we get there, I think, is less important than the fact that we have gotten here and we've gotten to the right place of a conviction. So from a real world standpoint, that's what I'm looking for. From a movie standpoint, I'm more okay with the sensationalism of what took place and how you get there because of the fact that that's more entertaining and it affects me more viscerally in that way as opposed to just telling me a story. I'm experiencing it at that point as opposed to just hearing story after story with emotional music playing overhead. I'm glad that you brought up Ashley Judd because I would agree with all of your comments that you made. And I think her inclusion in the way that she's included is unique here because it does a very good job of not showing us any of the Hollywood stars that would take us out of the movie, if that makes sense. So when we have a Hollywood star in Carrie Mulligan or Zoe Kazan playing a reporter, those reporters are not people who we have watched perform other roles. However, we have seen an Ashley Judd in movies. And so to have someone else play Ashley Judd, it would, I think, take us out of the story. I think it would almost like break the realism feel of it. And they were consistent in that because they didn't really show us Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know if it was really her voice. I don't think it was. It could have been. I didn't check the credits, but they didn't show us a Gwyneth Paltrow, even though her her voice was part of the movie. And then they didn't obviously show us Harvey Weinstein. Uh, They made a concerted effort to only put the back of him on camera. We would always see him from behind. And I, I was reading that the reason for that was they didn't want to in any potential way to center Harvey Weinstein in this story in a positive light. And I just thought that was a very, very smart way to go about it because we didn't want to see him. It was, it's kind of strange because the movie is about this story that is breaking that is in a sense villainizing him. It's proving his awful conduct, but you don't, want the movie to be about him. And I I don't know how I can express that better. It's about the investigative process and the work and the women that were able to get this information into the world, not about the actual acts themselves, if that makes sense. He's the crux that led to what we're actually seeing on screen. So the two plus hours that we're with these women, he is the reason but he's not the drive the whole time. He's a bad dude. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And the movie does not even pull any punches. But what I was connected with more than anything else was the struggle on different levels from different women in their ability or inability to come forward and share their story. That's what I thought was so beautiful about this is it wasn't just celebrities that we knew. It wasn't just Ashley Judd and Gwyneth Paltrow that we knew because we've seen them on screen. These are behind the scenes women. These are women that worked. Yes. For Miramax and that came and went and that were just all over the place in terms of like their careers. So I got that whole idea that this was really about, it doesn't have to just be the front facing women that need to come forward. It needs to be more. Because the story is not about celebrities being abused, celebrity women. It's about women being abused. It's about assistants. It's about actresses. It's about copy editors and script uh, editors or whatever. And I never once 
really thought, hey, Harvey Weinstein needs to be in this because then you would sh- just shift to less about, oh, we need to hear his side of the story. No, you just become distracted by like, it's, but it's Weinstein, it's Weinstein, it's Weinstein. No, we knew it was that. That's why we went to the movie. The story was telling us about the journey of these women, not about the reason why they were on this journey. Now, we got nasty details, which completely kind of sideswiped me a couple of times. I was like, are you kidding me? Are you really Are you really that gross? But I never felt like there was an inconsistency in terms of like the story that, need, that was trying to be told, which is bringing these women to the front to tell their stories so that there could be a united front, not just against him, but against the industry as a whole that created a um, a problem. Yeah, the systems that allow it to continue to exist and to maintain that ability that he has to utilize his power and to treat people this way and just get away with it and to look the other way, to turn their heads. That was actually something I wanted to ask you is, do you think that the movie did enough to condemn, honestly, the behavior of people that were culpable. It does mention at several different times, people kind of become obvious in like, there's a female lawyer or something. I don't remember what everybody was that is called out for assisting him. But for the most part, it really only kind of drills down on Harvey and takes him to task. I just kind of, personally was left a little wanting but i'll say this i'm i was torn part of me was wanting more effort to be made to say listen why are we not trying to take down everybody in this whole chain of power that has turned their head to this everybody that knew everybody that was allowing these payoffs to take place and knew about the abuse etc i i guess the ethicals or moral side of me, right? That wants justice to be done, just wants to see that happen because I want to feel good. Like these people got their just do, you know, justice served. But then from a movie standpoint, if I'm looking at this as a dramatized piece of in air quotes, entertainment that I'm watching, I don't know that that would have enhanced anything. It just would have lengthened it even more. And it's already a movie that is not in the most cinematic way filmed like it is all about being on a cell phone and taking notes and just having conversations and so how much more of that could you deal with during the investigative process because these people probably did get knocked out of their positions a lot of them but that just isn't something that the film deals with did that ever cross your mind while you were watching this at all no and i think it's because of the fact that the stories themselves were a significant compelling piece, but also the reaction of these two journalists and how they were trying to get these women to speak out. Like that was equally as much a part of the story is how as investigative journalists do we do our jobs without hurting the without you know messing with the vulnerability of these women. And I thought, you know, watching uh, Megan Toohey at the very beginning, I thought it was great to set up the 2016 election and the whole stuff with President Trump as sort of a fire starter of sorts and seeing how as a reporter, she was getting affected by it and that she was getting harassed. So then seeing Jody as kind of a young pup who's doing the same stuff, but finding ways to get the story i loved watching her on the phone with different folks the moment that ashley judd agreed to go on the record her reaction the crying and just being completely like it wasn't like a yeah it was like a oh my gosh you have no idea not what this means for my career but you have no idea the importance of the of the choice you have just made and i think that that's part of what I latched onto was why it was important to these reporters. Because when you think about journalism in the world of clickbait and instant news, it seems like everybody's a blogger. Everybody's got a story that they want to tell to get more clicks. I'm re-listening to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and part of the 
question of the opening episode, who killed Mars Hill? One of the perpetrators are the bloggers. Those that are like, you know what? If I, if I blog about Mark Driscoll, I'm going to get more and more hits. But are you really doing justice to what you're writing about? Or are you just writing to get more people to read? And I think when it comes to these two reporters, their depiction, the depiction of them is more than just getting hits, more than just getting a, a story. Theirs is what I would consider on screen pure journalism, which is we want to get to the actual truth. I love the meticulousness of the, I guess it's the editor in chief. Um, I forget. I think it's Patricia Clarkson that plays Rebecca Corbett. I love how she tells them it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. No, we need to we need to keep going. That last scene, right before they hit the publish button, they're all looking it over one more time, not just for typos, but to make sure, hey, do we have all of our ducks in a row? To me, that's authentic. That's real. That's optimistic journalism where you want to make sure you're getting it right, that you're not just getting a story that's going to be here for two days or a week, and then it's going to go away. But you're also not trying to make a name for yourself. And that's what I really, really enjoyed is that I never felt like Jody or Megan were trying to make their names bigger, that they really were trying to get to the heart of what was going on here and make sure that they had everything that they needed to tell the story and tell it correctly. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely the way it comes across. And I think it speaks to, it presents an idealistic view of journalism. Now, the New York Times has widely been considered one of the best investigative news organizations in the country for you know decades upon decades. So I'm not surprised by that, but I definitely feel like it's a movie that is wanting us to see the journalism as the heroes uh, in a lot of ways. Now, I mean, they're co-heroes. They're, they're probably the real heroes, in a sense, are the women that are willing to tell their stories at great pain and trauma uh, for themselves in order to come together to help make this a better world for others, essentially, which is what the movie is consistently telling us in the message is it's not necessarily just about getting Weinstein. This is a movie where both of these reporters are females themselves. Both of these reporters are married and both of these reporters have daughters and they show quite painfully at times their own fears of having kids that are growing up in a world where this can happen to women and they don't want that to be the case and yeah it's easy for the audience to like connect to that because i would assume 99 percent of people watching this don't want that either right there's a scene with jody where she's talking to her daughter i think she's in europe or Japan. She's overseas because she's space. When the phone her. cuts off at the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And her daughter was talking to her about her day and what she was doing. And she brings up this, the word rape. She said, was she raped? And she's like, I, this is a conversation that I've had at least in part, not about rape with my son, but when my son says a word or he gets a revelation about something that is not normal for us to talk about, and I have to kind of navigate those waters. And I, I really was empathetic when she said, essentially, I, I don't want you to have to know what that is. Like, she doesn't say that. But the way that she's talking to her daughter, it's like a part of her daughter's innocence that she's not ready to kind of give her has been sort of blown open a little bit. Because now she's exposed to this word and what it means and or maybe what it, she doesn't know what it means. And now she's going to navigate that. So for us, when we're working through our own kind of values as a family and he sees something that is atypical of what we see part of that's different from our family, it's a tough conversation. And so I have to be able to protect him and protect his innocence from those things and not just overly expose him to stuff like that. And I really felt in that moment empathetic towards her as a mom like up to that point she's a reporter she's young she's got this cool dynamic with her husband which by the way let me just kind of throw some love at the husbands here who are completely at least in this movie very much supportive of the wild and willy kind of careers of their wives i mean this is would, crazy 
I like, hope this is how they are and that they, they weren't just because we don't see this in media. Usually mm-hmm. it, Hollywood shows us husbands that are complaining about their wives being successful or having their own jobs. The, the, the one when she's at the zoo, when Megan's at the zoo and she's mm-hmm. just like on the phone and, and he's like with the daughter or the I kids. was ready for him to go off. I was ready for him I to was waiting for him her. to go off. Right. I was like, oh, this is the scene where he's going to they're going to get in a fight because he doesn't understand and, and totally understanding i love the scene i think it's jody or no, maybe it was megan also but the dinner scene i think it's megan where she's on the phone and he's like it's getting jody, a divorce or cheating on you <laughs> exactly. she's hot and, yeah. and and then they both start Truly laughing about it. it and it's just I, I really enjoyed that depiction as well yeah so being able to see them beyond just reporters even though most of the movie they're investigative journalists it tells me, reminds me of the humanity of people. So even in this movie, we we vault investigative journalists to celebrity status. I mean, these people, look, I, at some point I'm going, seriously, Jody, you got to just talk to Gwyneth Paltrow. You just got to hang out with her for a little bit. Like these people are calling you on the phone and you're like, hey, how's it going? And it, it just, I, I was kind of like a little like starstruck at the fact that as a reporter, you get to have people's phone numbers like in your in your contacts list. Like, oh yeah, Gwyneth called me to tell me about this thing that's going on. Now, granted, the circumstances were awful, so I'm not necessarily you know loving that. But I think that it's really easy, especially when you get to a place where you, as a re- in any career, you get overly exposed. That you get vaulted to a celebrity status that you become untouchable. And the moment you make a mistake or the moment you show vulnerability, there's a faction of people that's like, oh yeah, look at that. She's crap or things like that. And I think that this movie had this really great way of delicately reminding us these women were wives. These women were mothers. I loved the depiction of of Megan going through postpartum and having to lean on Jody a little bit, like the way in which she's like, I don't know what to do. And it's it's little touches like that that allow me to see their vulnerability as people, as mothers, as wives, and as reporters all at the same time, where it's not just we're cracking down on journalism, we're going to go after the bad guy. Yes, they are, but they're doing it with a feminine touch that I think is completely appropriate, beautiful, and very much, I think, the the right way to go about telling the story. Well, and that leads into something where I, I mean, I think it was necessary. I think the reason they were able to accomplish this, where I'm sure people have tried to investigate him before and failed, but the way they were able to get women on board together to tell this story is because they both bring something different to the table. And this kind of goes back to that playful joke I made at the beginning of the podcast where I was like, I'm Megan and you're Jody. And the reason I say that is because I think Jody is a per and and whether this is exactly how they are in real life or not, this is how they are in the movie. So that's what we're going with. But Jody is so calm and collected and so they both are full of empathy. That's a major key factor here. They both know how to listen. They just shut up, they ask a question, and they wait, and they listen. They don't tell someone how to express their feelings. They just listen, and that is so, so, so important in their job. But to me, Jody feels a little more on the, like, getting affected in an emotional way by what is happening to the people that she is interviewing and talking to and and Megan's emotional response to that is a little bit more anger and it's righteous mm-hmm. anger let's not get let's get this twisted and i think that's why the casting was really done perfectly cuz Zoe Kazan is just she is much meeker in form and in look whereas Carrie Mulligan we have seen get fiery before we've seen her in promising young woman we've seen her in other films like where she has had an edge to her. And so when there's a few scenes in here where she goes off like that scene in the bar 
like that was a Carrie Mulligan Oscar moment. They can't play it because she's cussing up a storm. But like when that dude tries to like get her number and he's like, no, like, come on. And she, oh, it was, it was outstanding. I absolutely loved her comebacks and her takedown of him. But like, you can't imagine Jody Cantor doing that. Right. And I think right. we needed that blend of putting them together, which is what made this a successful thing. Cause it starts off as Jody Cantor's story. And I, I believe it is uh, Patricia Clarkson's character. Uh, who, you know, suggests when Megan's coming back from postpartum or uh, from maternity leave that she joins up with Jody uh, because of some of Megan's previous reporting. But I think that they build together in a way that becomes the total package. And as two people who really didn't even know each other, they were just co-workers across the vast space of a newsroom they become friends, right? They become so embroiled in this together. They get to know each other, like you said, and they, you know, share tips on mothering and parenting and, and it becomes a very close relationship. And I think that is why they are able to be successful. And that is why they are so approachable when it comes to speaking to these other women who are having to talk about something, like I said, so painful and traumatic to them. Like, Patrick, I don't care how good a reporter you and I are, we're not getting that level of honesty and openness from someone that is a woman who's gone through this. And nor, nor should we. And, and that's fine. And these two women really just were able to – it's not – I would say it this way. It's not because they became the thing they needed to become in order to get the story. It's because of who they just naturally were. That's how I, I felt when I was watching it. Yeah, and I think you're right. There is a a great casting element in both of these actors who really use their strengths and their weaknesses physically to accentuate the characters that they're portraying. I, I go back to when when Jody is giving Megan some advice on postpartum she essentially says me too like i did this as well and that 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 hashtag or that phrase is subtly just threaded throughout even though it's not said that much or at all but that scene in the bar which is fantastic what's great is that after megan does that thing she goes sorry and jody's like no you're good you're good I think there's a sense of validation that each of them bring to the table. And at the point when Megan comes to assist Jody at the request of Rebecca, Jody's kind of stuck. She doesn't really know what to do. And Megan says, what if I did this or what if, and she made a couple of suggestions and you see the tension in Jody's body just relax. She goes, that would be great. And at that point I knew that we were getting with the tag team. But you're right. There's a there's a sensitivity, there's a delicateness with Zoe Kassan's performance, particularly when she's talking with I don't remember her name, but it's the woman who we see at the be a young version of her we see at the beginning of the film. And the way that Jody is listening, her facial expressions, her body language, what I was looking at and paying attention to was that she was leaned over. Like she was very much like body posturing in a way that said, I'm engaged. I'm not, I don't just have my cell phone out to record this conversation. I really am listening to you. I'm not just gathering data. And at the end of the conversation, you can see her essentially saying, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I love that neither of these women, when they're in conversations with these victims, ever say that, that, oh, I get it. Yeah, I understand because they don't. Being a woman doesn't make you understand the specific experience of someone else. Just like being a man doesn't, I don't understand the world of my brother who is a recovering alcoholic. I can't say I understand that. <laughs> He's a man. He's married and he has a child. He has two kids. We have common ground there. We both play golf. He plays a lot better than me, obviously. But the fact is, I could never understand the things that he went through. All I can say is, I am sorry that you went through that. And we think when we say something like that, that it's like, ah, but I want to do so much more. But I've had people 
when I've gone through some really terrible crap, have said, I am so sorry that happened to you. And they give me a hug and that's enough. And so that I saw on full display in that particular conversation in that she was being a friend. I mean, Jody was getting a story, but she was being a friend equally as much. And that's got to be difficult as a journalist because all this information is absolutely like gold for a reporter. But she knew how to balance the ability to be empathetic as well as be a reporter. And it took, I don't know if these, this is where the fictionalization might come in. I don't know if she had said something or if that conversation with this woman prompted her later on to call her and say, listen, I need to, I need to tell my story. I want you to use everything that I've told you. That was a big, big, big moment, not just for the story, but I think for Jody because it was a byproduct of this conversation. If she was not a reporter, that conversation would have been just as valid because it gave this woman an opportunity to share something that she could not share with anybody else, especially not her daughters. Oh my gosh. Breaks my heart to think that she's got daughters and she's got this big secret and she can't say that stuff because obviously it's inappropriate, but she wants to protect them. So that conversation was just phenomenal. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I, you know, I think that them being able to not be starstruck is important as well. Like you were talking about earlier, they're never concerned with the fact, I mean, they are off the camp, off the phone call, you know, I think a little bit, just like we would be if we were like, oh my gosh, like this is Gwyneth Paltrow calling me. But when they're in that moment, it is all about them listening. And I love what you just said is I hope that everybody hearing this podcast right now really takes that to heart that it's okay to just say, I'm sorry. A lot of times when someone says, oh, I totally understand. I've had that happen to me too. It recenters in the issue that you're having and it kind of takes away from it in a sense because someone is trying to make that sound like something that they have experienced as well. Well, it puts it puts the uh, it puts the focus back on you. That's that's, that's what I mean. Point. It takes it away. Yeah. Well, it takes it away because it's like it's like, oh, well, me too. Like, it's not that bad because like I've had ex- or even if it's not, I've it's not that bad. It's it's just it's taking away from your experience because it's like diminishing it by the, by saying you're not the only one. And I know people mean it in a positive way. They're trying to say, you're not the only one. Like, I've had that pain too. But so much of, I think, us, so many of us just want to hear the I'm sorry. And if someone reaches out and says, hey, have you had this experience? Let's talk about it. Like, that's a whole different conversation. But in those beginning moments, yeah. I think real empathy is just saying, I'm sorry. Well, and that's part of what makes therapy work. When you have a good therapist, like I I have a really great one because what he does is he allows me to say the things I need to say. And selfishly, I feel like in those sessions, I'm the only person on his docket. Like I'm the only one that he sees. When I know that the things that I'm dealing with, ironically, he can speak into those things and help me work through them because other people have dealt with it. So the fact is still there. Yes, other people deal with the same stuff that I deal with. Just like there are other women that have dealt with similar abuse that these women have. But you're exactly right. In those moments when you are shedding that vulnerability, when you are saying, I just need to talk about this, you need to be, as the person listening, a a person that reflects the idea that they are the only person in the room. And for those brief moments, they are the only person that this has affected because that vulnerability allows them to feel a sense of autonomy, a sense of, I need to feel like this is only me because I need, I need to feel sorry for myself for a minute because that's healthy. It's healthy to be able to say, I need to get to the roughness, the rawness of what just happened or what happened to me. And if you tell me, I get that, I get that, you're dismissing it. That's the thing. That's what's being communicated is you're dismissing it. You're also taking it and being like, yeah, me too. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. No, even if you do, don't. Don't say that because now you are diminishing the experience of that individual. You need to get, as someone who's, who has experienced 
that kind of stuff of needing to get things sort of out in the open, I need to get to that raw place before I can come back out of it in a healthy way. If somebody just says, all I have, you know, if somebody says, I get that, I get that, then I'm just like, well, well, great. (laughs) So how did you get out of it? And now I'm, and then at that point, now I'm working through a trajectory that they went through, but they're an individual that's different from me. Even if they had a similar experience, you can have two alcoholics who have walked similar paths and they're both, one is a recovering alcoholic and one is like in the depths of it. So if you say, I get that, I've been there, that person, the other person's next response is, okay, well, how did you do that? But, but that journey may not be healthy for that person. They may have an, a different method that they need to get to, but it, it, it doesn't help when you have somebody else that on the surface might feel like I'm trying to connect, but underneath all they want is for you to just say, I am sorry, hear me, <laughs> hear my voice when I say that, I am sorry, and I'm here if you want to just talk. That means so much more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. And that's and that's why, in my opinion, in this movie, or our opinion, I think that's what we both saw as how Megan and Jody are successful, is because that's their approach. That's what they do, and that's why these women open up to them, in our opinion. And I think I think all of the casting was great. I mentioned Patricia Clarkson, and, and it's Rebecca Corbett, I, I believe, whatever the section of investigative journalism that they're doing uh, she's one of their editors and then uh, Dean or Andre Brower uh, plays Dean Beckett who is I think the executive editor of the New York Times and he was outstanding as well I mean both of them I could have taken more of I loved every scene the two of them were in and I just it was a really great support system and I thought that that was important because I don't think Megan and Jody could have accomplished what they did without those two you mentioned early on when rebecca tells them like this is what you need to do like you need or you need to you need to put the, she puts them together first and she's just kind of ushering them along oh it was the you had mentioned that she told them they needed to get more sources like they can't go they need to get more people on the record the way that dean is in control of his newsroom and his paper and when Harvey calls and he's just like, I'm not listening to your crap. Like this is the, th- we're doing this because this is the way things go. We give you time to have a response because that is our ethical like obligation. And that's what you have. We're not going to have a conversation. I'm not here to listen to you. I'm here to tell you this is what it's going to be. And this is what you are able to come back with. And, and then we'll move on. I, and and when he gets up and walks out, he's like, I'm done. I got work to do. Like, I just, I loved everything about uh, his performance and his role. And I think that showed again, it may, it takes a mountain, right. Of, or it takes a village, I should say to, to be able to accomplish this. Everybody was on the same page. Those castings were great. And I think that their roles as editors were really part a fun part of this for me to see that made this work cinematically as a journalism movie because this doesn't have the spotlight moment the singular they knew like oscar big like productive singular like moment where it's all about figuring out a thing this one you know what's happening from the very start it's just all about slowly piecing it together and going on the journey with them. And so watching the newsroom in action was a joy. Watching them hover around the computer, waiting to publish, watching an actual legitimate like a- editor checking the grammar made me so happy as a guy who has been the grammar checker for multiple friends throughout their college careers when they were when they were submitting papers they would send them to me and I would do all of the the grammar checking for them but like watching this guy like be like oh no we need to put two spaces after this period like I just I thought I got a kick out of that brief moment and then the whole like I get hovering over it I guess that's kind of your that's as close as you get to a big moment in this where they're like "Mm, are we gonna push publish we're gonna push publish it's kind of a oh and they're all like grouped together but other than that the depiction of journalism is just them walking around with cell phones taking yeah. notes constantly. That's, <laughs> yeah. but that's modern journalism in the digital age. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I think that that 
in and of itself isn't very appealing to a wide audience. I mean, just on paper, like it's, it's, I think it appeals to us, to you specifically as someone who wanted to go into journalism, but us specifically, because we like the written word. That's why we love Aaron Sorkin and newsroom and the West wing. And even his depiction of Steve jobs, three events, three big conversations, two hours. And we like it. Didn't love it, but we like it. There's an idea about dialogue and about conversations that appeal to a specific audience. I'm not looking at this movie as having a ton of action sequences like we saw in the Grisham verse that seemed kind of inappropriate at times where he wanted people to just do the law and not chase dead bodies in New Orleans. This made perfect sense for the story it was telling. If we'd thrown Weinstein in this, if it was a trial, a you know an angle that you could take from this, which I think would probably grab more people, would be the social network kind of approach where you get a wider band of how is this affecting social media, people getting on board with hashtag me too. Because that's, again, really, that's kind of what attracted me to the movie is I knew about hashtag me too, like so many other people. And the fallout from that, oh my gosh, years after, several years after, a couple of years after, now you have this way it's swinging the opposite way where now there's this idea that women are just saying things and are being taken at their word when in fact maybe some of them aren't doing it. That's a sexy story, but that's not the story we're telling here. And I think that it's a risky move to center it around this when you have a story that is familiar in the public eye, but not familiar enough where you're not taking down the bad guy. You're really focusing on the stories of these women. It's very specific. And I think it's what makes the movie sort of very specific to an audience. Not everybody's going to like that. And that's okay. We did as one who likes journalism. I like journalism movies, even though, I mean, I want to see Spotlight now. I never saw that. So I need to see that. I know. I know. Big big face. Yeah, I know. That's okay. It'll go on the, we need to cover this list once you do. So, well, yeah, I mean, and this speaks back to um, all the president's men, you know, the, the quintessential reporting movie that critically acclaimed but it it kind of sits there for a lot of your casual moviegoers as like a kurosawa movie like you need to see this why why do i need to see that i know it's supposed to be good or casablanca where there's not a lot of people gone with the wind these are movies that you need to see but your modern audience is probably not gonna gravitate towards that especially when we're sort of in an influx of superhero action craziness it's just it's not a it's not a movie that you're like, dude, this holiday season, you need to go see this. It's not a bad movie. It's just not one that has that kind of public appeal that something else like Black Panther Wakanda Forever has, where you and I were not very high on it, but we weren't low on it. I preferred the story more than Wakanda Forever, but for different reasons. And it's not fair to compare the two. The only comparison you have is that they were released a week apart. (laughs) So at that point, that's the only comparison you have. Well, speaking of people that may not like it, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is just the response to this. And if you have any thoughts on this, the film has gotten very strong reviews. So critically, it's being acclaimed and it has plenty of awards buzz for its main performances. But it basically bombed this opening weekend it made 2.2 million in 2022 theaters huge wide release and apparently that is one of the worst results for a major studio film in history as far as opening weekends go which is kind of stunning to me that this would be one of the worst because it's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination it's a very good movie you actually told me when you were seeing it on opening night you were the only person in your theater. And I was like, hmm, well, now that checks out. So, you know, what do you think might attribute to why this is done so bad? Well, as someone who didn't know about this until you mentioned it, I might be the exception to the rule because I don't go seeking. I mean, honestly, listeners, this is just a little inside baseball. I rely on Aaron to kind of tell me what's coming out next because he's the he's the grinder of the of the two of us when it comes to the show and you know you've got more motive to see things covered because you're the one on ff plus really doing this stuff and so for that i'm grateful 
So I'm not actively seeking stuff, but I watch commercials. I I see stuff pop up in my my web feed here and there. She said was not one of those movies that was popping up for me. I didn't see it in my social media. I didn't. So I don't know if I just wasn't the target audience. I don't know if it was that. I know that it seems very recent for the story that's being told. And I was sort of reminded watching this of the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos that I kind of got mildly addicted to. I watched the documentary. I watched the six-part TV series. And Did you know that the Jennifer Lawrence movie got canceled? She backed out? Well, and I was... No, I didn't. But I wasn't really enthralled about seeing the movie. Another? One, because I've already seen two iterations of that story being told. It doesn't make sense to give me a third one. Yeah. Now, you didn't have that with this, but it could be that the audience just... It's too recent or that they're not really interested in Weinstein. Maybe it's the fact that Weinstein is a douche and a perv and all these different things and not knowing anything about the movie. You're like, I want to see as little of that guy as possible, even though I know he's probably going to be completely lambasted in the movie. The less I see of him, the better. So I don't know. It could be a number of things. I, I don't I'd be interested if there were exit polls coming out of theaters what the demographic of men to women was and what the age groups of those demographics, because for some, it could be a triggering event for, for a lot. Um, but more than anything, I think if I had a gut reaction, I think it just didn't get marketed very well because I didn't see a lot of, of marketing for it on, on my end, at least. That's what my gut tells me too, is that it is primarily about a lack of marketing or, Poor marketing, uh, either one. I mean, it got an A cinema score, which is very good. It has an almost identical 88 critic percentage and 86 audience percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. So like it is, everybody has seen it, has really liked it and or if or loved it. It's just that not many people have seen it. And uh, it's it's kind of frustrating that a movie like this, that happens too, because I, I think it is important. I do think it's a combo of the lack of marketing and then also potentially a lack of wanting to watch this story if people are aware of what it was, right? If you are, I mean, this is so recent still that if you were active following this, if you've read the book, then it's not revelatory stuff. And that goes back to that very first topic we discussed about dramatization versus documentary even of a form of telling like does this does this serve a purpose as a fictionalized version of entertainment or whatever and and i think some people probably just are like well i already know what happened you know like i yes he they broke the story they wrote a book about it it was a new york times piece and now he's in jail like it, it doesn't i don't think have the same legs as something that has not fully been out there yet right or something with a lot of distance behind it like all the president's men had more had yeah had more space well time. and the other thing yeah i think the other thing is that the story has depth but not width in other words when you think about all the president's men there is a wide gamut of people that are involved in that story beyond just the reporters like it's a huge story of what's being talked about conspiracies and all these different intricate things when it comes to she said it's harvey weinstein now i get it i and they say it in the movie this could be widespread and it probably is widespread but none of that's really ever depicted weinstein is the figure he's the one that they're trying to go after even though he's not the focal point narratively that the women are if this had been again just speculation if we had found out that this went beyond Weinstein, like for a fact, there were other high figures. If this was like James Cameron and Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, you know, these these Hollywood figures that you would never expect in real life that were actually involved in this, I think it would have gotten more buzz because we want to see the downfall of real real people in fictionalized way. Again, I go back to the social network. This is about 
Mark Zuckerberg, but it was about something that tons of people were connected to, literally and metaphorically, in Facebook. So it had tangibility. Ask me how many women I know that have been sexually abused by an executive producer at a major Hollywood studio. And I will tell you a big fat zero. Why? Because I'm not in the industry. And I think that's part of the appeal is that story is intriguing, but it's not connective. As a story, it's Hollywood garbage is what it is. Not the stories. I'm not, I'm not diminishing anything that these women have said. Totally true stories. But it comes from an elite Hollywood world that's already untouchable. And when you try to make that touchable, it's very hard to make that connection because we don't know these people. We joked earlier about the fact that these two reporters get to talk to Gwyneth Paltrow and Ashley Judd for valid reasons. But the the understanding behind that is the fact that we can't. You and I, I mean, we joke about how, oh yeah, when I have lunch with so-and-so, because we're talking about a director or something like that, and we would love it. If a director that we were talking about on one of our episodes retweeted us, that's that's why celebrity is so so big because it's untouchable. And I think that a story like this, because it exists in an untouchable world on paper, it makes it difficult to really connect it. However, going to see this movie, and I think this is what's going to happen. Word of mouth is going to get around. It may not do well in the theaters, but it's going to get a ton of play in the next year, I believe, because people are going to say, look. Check this out. It's not just a rehash of Harvey Weinstein's downfall. It's about more than that. And I think it's going to get some of the deserved critical and audience praise that it already has just on a longer term. I think Spotlight was that way too. It had a slow burn in the theaters, didn't quite get up to 2000, but it had a had a decent run and it had a good return on its investment. I think in the long run, she said it's going to be one of those movies that may not it may be a, a loss for Universal, but I think it'll be a win for the studio in terms of its like um, trophy or, or resume. Yeah, I, I agree. I think and Spotlight made like fifty million total, so it did definitely do better. But I, that was also a story that I don't think everybody was familiar with the depth of how that sexual abuse scandal in the Catholic Church kind of came about where it wasn't it wasn't covered in the same twitter age that the me too movement and harvey weinstein's downfall was i also think kind of talking about elizabeth holmes and the theranos series that you were just talking about like if you'd have made this a limited six episode miniseries in a on a prestige streamer i think it would have gotten a lot more eyeballs right off the bat and i think that if it does end up at the Oscars that will trigger the then people then finding out about it in a lot of ways. Like it's almost going to act as the marketing for the movie because they just didn't really do any. And people will be like, Oh, they made a movie about that last year. Holy cow. I need to go watch that. That looks really good. Like, Oh, it's got Carrie Mulligan. I'm surprised, you know? And so I think that that will also serve it. Well, uh, like you say, in the long run, um, it will be fine and it will get seen. And which is good. Uh, I I just am glad that it exists because it is a very impactful and detailed kind of retelling of these events. So for people who haven't read the book or didn't read the New York Times piece initially or haven't followed this story, it's another way to get that information and learn about the depth of abusiveness that was happening in Hollywood all of these decades and what conceivably is happening other places as well. And, Absolutely. And needs to stop. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Feeling Film. For us in the U.S., it's Thanksgiving week. And so if you're traveling, if you're visiting family, if you're eating a lot of turkey, whatever is going to make your health questionable, depending on how much you eat or how much you travel, please make sure you stay safe. Listen to us. We've got a ton of episodes that you could listen to if you're new to the show. And if you're not, we hope that you're enjoying what you're listening to so far. Aaron, thank you for another great conversation. And we will talk soon. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. 
If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.